Welcome to Naffy Break. Grab yourself a brew and during the time it takes to drink it, I want to introduce you to some high performing people that I know. They're not celebrities or sports stars, just average Joes who live normal lives. But they have shown some great skills and resilience in achieving successful second careers after leaving the armed forces. Today, my guest is Andrew Rose who runs the Apollo Sports Injury Clinic in Telford. He's a 22-year Royal Air Force Physical Training Instructor and Rehabilitation Specialist. He's had a varied transition since leaving the service and now strikes the balance effectively between work, life and family. Air Force guys on there already 
their trade was closing down, which is the boat crew, and some of them were in their late 20s, already corporals. And, you know, I was definitely thrown into the deep end and, and had to learn very, very quickly to, to gain confidence uh, with, you know, an older age group. Yeah, I suppose that could be quite intimidating for some people, like going into it, yes. almost, you know, for other people going into a new job and, and they're the youngest and, and there's some, you know, the old sweats are there, I suppose. But all, yes. almost, that's like having a big brother there as well, I suspect. When you, Absolutely, you know, you, yes. And, and, you know, they certainly looked after us, you know, because there's a couple of guys, you know, which were quite young. They looked after us, we looked up to them, they motivated us, they talked us through all the pitfalls. You know, they you know built my confidence as well as the instructors on the course. Yeah, because it does always. I mean, people always talk about the the kind of forces family and that kind of uh, that that camaraderie that exists within the service. But right from day one, there you've got people who are not just looking out for themselves, but they've got some experience and they're prepared to yeah. to help you as well. Yes, it, it was one big family, and and it, yeah. that's what I can say about my whole. 22-year career, and since I left, you're still one big family. You still keep in touch. Yeah. You still have laughs and jokes. You still reminisce. You're yeah, still there absolutely. for each other, which is, you know, so important. To, you know, going through life. So, Andy, talk to us about the the job that you chose to do. We talked about school of PT there being the, the sort of start of your your training within the, the Air Force. How did that progress? Where did that where did that take you from a, a jobs perspective? So, so from Graduating as, as a young physical training instructor, I then got posted to the School of Recruit Training. So anybody joining the Air Force at the time uh, would go to RA Swinderby, and I spent four years there uh, doing PT every day. That's quite interesting, isn't it? That, that actually, as a young sort of corporal, straight out there into the into the service career, and you're ironically then posted to the place that is now training the brand new recruits, which you know probably only a year earlier you were one of those recruits yeah. how, how, how did you adapt to that how did that kind of mindset or you know you're now in a position of responsibility and authority how, how did you adjust to that i think the, the training i get a good question there i think the training that we had on our physical training instructors course gave me the confidence to go back into that environment where literally you know less than a year previously i was a trainee myself and yeah. you know i had the confidence uh the self-esteem to go and stand in front of classes of up to 60 people and uh you know to to give out instructions to you know in a lot of cases to you know to recruits that were older than me and you know i, I put that down to the testament of the, the pgi training course it gave yeah because it sounds yeah sorry it sounds like you know obviously from from going into the service as a kind of shy and, and a little you know a little yeah. bit reserved maybe or a little bit quiet person in a very short space of time you've now that confidence has been elevated to a point where you are now actually the instructor dealing with the yeah. recruits that, that sounds like a real fast track actually yeah yeah it's, it, it was it was fast track yeah don't get me wrong i was still you know still very very green, very new to to the trade, still learning the ropes, still gaining confidence, you know, as I progressed, you know, th through each year at RAF Swindaby. And uh, it, it certainly the PGI course set me up for you know, who I am today. Uh, you know, I'll say yeah. the military career set me up, you know, who yeah. I am today as a, you know, as a confident person, 
Talk to me a little bit more about the the rest of the service career. I mean, obviously, you know, 22 years, we, we can't, you know, we've, we've got one cup of coffee to get through, so we can't have 22 of them. But pick pick out some of the highlights for, uh, you know, in terms of achievements or, or things that uh, were recognised during your time in the service. What, what are the highlights for you? The highlights for me is, I mean, the road I went down in the end was, was the rehab route. So I became a remedial therapist or remedial instructor working in various military hospitals, getting people back to, you know, some form of fitness or full fitness after injury, accidents. And, you know, I was very fortunate to work in some overseas locations, Germany and Holland. When I was working in Germany, I was at the Royal Hospital, uh, uh, Royal Hospital Wegberg in Germany. And, you know, some of the highlights there, if you could call them highlights, were getting people back to, to fitness. But, you know, I had some you know, quite severe accidents. You know, there was occasions where I dealt with it, pilots and navigators that ejected out of aircraft. Uh, this is, you know, sustained some serious injuries, got them back to full fitness, got them back to their flying categories, so that was great. I did operational tours. I went to uh, Afghanistan uh, with NATO, so that, that's the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, and I was based in Holland at the time at a NATO headquarters and we deployed to Afghanistan to the headquarters in Kabul. And even though I was working in the gymnasium and looking after people's fitness and their well-being, their welfare, what I thought was, was just a normal job that I was always been trained to do, I didn't realize it was being recognized by the chain of command. And at the end of my tour there, which, which was just short of four months, uh, I was awarded the, uh, the commander's coin by the three-star general it was a Canadian general who was in charge of the whole Afghan operation. And it was for my service to the headquarters at the time, which, you know, you just did your job and you don't realize yeah. that it makes sure. And, th and things that probably aren't in a kind of standard job description is there they always used to be that line at the bottom in the old days of and anything else detailed by your yeah. line manager. So you kind of doing yeah. a lot of things that are not standard things but that adaptability and that certainly and i think from a service perspective you're you're given you know opportunities to think for yourself and plan ahead and troubleshoot and i mean when i'm thinking back about my tour in afghanistan now i can remember that you know the equipment in the gymnasium was very sparse it was limited and i managed to source funding from all over the place i was in people's offices i went to headquarters what money can i get and I managed to secure, you know, some funding. And then I went and organized uh, equipment to be purchased in Germany. It gets to a point, obviously, where you're nearing the end of that, that magical 22 years of, of service. And it's kind of, okay, now what are we going to do next? How, how far before that 22-year 20, point did you start to think, I need to start preparing or I'm going to start doing something now which i know i'm going to you know want to do later on how did, how far in advance did that prep start for you i i make a good question and uh, from my perspective whether it was conscious or subconsciously i i started preparing several years before i i i, I left the service and uh, going down the, the route of becoming a remedial instructor you know i i then started to work into, in football, so I worked at pro and semi-pro clubs. But to be able to, to enable to, my, to do that, I had to go and get qualifications. And I went and got diplomas in sports therapy, 
subsequently then went and got a degree in, in sports rehab. And this is all funded through the military. And uh, I, I was able to work in football, work for the Football Association as a medical tutor. I covered coaching courses at county, regional and national levels. And I thought, oh, I'd like to get into football eventually. And th through being the right place, knowing people, I managed to work at various football clubs. And I thought, oh, that's the career I'd like. But as a backup plan, I thought I need to have a, a plan B. And I went and did my certificate in education. So I then got a teaching qualification. So having the, the plan B, the, the education side of it, and, and doing the tutoring with the FA, what, what was, when you got closer now towards sort of leaving, uh, what was the first thing that you, you kind of stepped into when you, when you actually left? Because you've got a couple of strings to your bow there that you've kind of lined up in advance. What was actually the first thing that you went into when you left? So, so after my 22 year service, I, I left the Air Force and I went into further education. So I went and taught in a college environment. I went in as, as a public services lecturer, which for me was, was quite an easy transition because you're going from a military environment into, yes, it's an alien environment working in the civilian world, especially as education. But their background and knowledge of us and their understanding of who we were, it's totally an alien concept to them. You know, we were very, very forward thinking we weren't afraid to, to to question things if we didn't agree with them because again our background was you know you'd sit down in a, in a crew room or with your boss and you'd have a discussion and you'd troubleshoot and plan together whereas in an education environment I found that difficult that they that they found it was difficult that we would question or say okay why are we doing this so moving on from there because obviously that was the first thing that you went into and obviously yes. you know, I've mentioned in your intro what you do now what was the what was the transition point from from there to, to now running your own clinic effectively how did that how did that come about yeah it, it came around because you know yes I was working in the college environment yes I was working in football but also I'd set up uh, a part-time rehab uh, clinic and th the intention was to, to go eventually and work full-time for myself and that, that was you know the driving force behind it and it, these things don't happen overnight you have to build a reputation it's, it's word of mouth and eventually it got to a stage where I thought is this the time to, to move into full-time so yes it's just around about three and a half years ago now that I decided to, to go into you know the, the rehab clinic full time, and uh, it, it sounds as though you've almost had to go through um, a, a process of proving yourself all over again. You've kind of done the military, you've got high recognition there. Now you've come out, you've had to prove yourself in that college environment that you know yeah. what you've brought brought there, and now you've got to go and build a client base, and now you've got to go and build that reputation again. It, that that level of kind of resilience and kind of drive and what have you is that something that the 18 year old Andy Rose had or is that something that you feel was was kind of built during your service time uh, I, I would say it was possibly there under the surface but certainly the military career that the 22 years gave me that drive determination uh, yes the setbacks along the way but 
I, I certainly feel that you know, the Air Force gave me the confidence to, to keep going, to keep going, to keep trying. Uh, again, I think the communication was the biggest part of, of the success of being in the military because they teach you how to communicate well at all levels, whether it's someone above you or below you. And and I think it's it was that that, that helped me uh, forge the relationship with my clients, you know, be able to communicate with them all at the same level, be empathetic, understanding, and then gradually, 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 the clinic became bigger and bigger to the stage I thought, you know, this is it. Yes, it was a, a big decision to make, you know, leaving, you know, full-time employment to then go and work for yourself, but it was worth it, certainly, in the end. Yeah, I, I, something that I, I've come across previously is obviously the, the perception of the military from the outside is that we just follow orders. You either give orders or you take orders, one, you know, one or the other. Yeah. But what you've described there in terms of the communication skills at any level, you know, if we were in the, in the civilian world, we'd be talking about communicating to the shop floor as well as to the boardroom yeah. and the ability yeah. to do both of those. And, and that does come from a self-awareness and, and a confidence, yeah. self-confidence to mm -hmm. be able to, you know, and, and confidence in your knowledge as well to, to, to put your yeah. opinion forward. In terms of that kind of preparing to leave, did you did you think that you would have to adjust to kind of city streets when you left? Did you feel like, oh, I, I'm going to have to change because people are, you know, I, I don't want to be seen as, you know, a Windsor Davis Sergeant Major type person yeah. coming out of the military? Did, did you feel any of that? Because I, I do hear that from other veterans feeling like they're, they're just seen as a, somebody just shouts orders how did you how did you cope with that how did you transition in that way for me that wasn't a transition that, that came up at all in my mind because as i said several years prior to leaving the air force i was already already working closely with civilian organizations i was working with the football association at a national level at a local level county level i was running courses on behalf of the football association locally so i was already dealing with agencies outside of the military and so over that period of time i was able to develop a rapport at a different level from a military level and from a civilian perspective so i could marry the two together so upon leaving uh, the airport it wasn't a concern i love that i think that's really powerful and i think that's a really strong message out of that andrew because because i think what you've highlighted there is your communication skills weren't just confined to how you communicate in the military. You were already mixing with, you know, on the FA courses, on the coaching courses. So actually, you might not have realised, but you'd almost kind of prepared yourself for a different environment in that way. And I, you know, always people say, you know, if you spent so long in the in the military, you're a bit kind of brainwashed or whatever, and you, yeah. you have to learn these things. But I think what's clear from what you said there is just working in those environments beforehand gave you a head start when you left. Yeah, so huge. So looking forward now um, in terms of what's the next thing for, for Andrew Rose, obviously you've kind of got a few laps under our belt now. We, you know, we've kind of, we've got the clinic up and running. Do, yeah. do you do you consider retirement or, or do you just go, look, you know, I'm, I'm happy as I am. What's What's the kind of mindset for you now? You hit the nail on the head. I'm happy now. I'm happy what I'm doing. I look, I look forward to the clinic. I look forward 
to see my clients. Some of the clients have been coming to see me for years, so you develop you know, a relationship, so you get to know the clients, the family, you, know, you have social chats, as, as, you know, as well as being you know, the therapist they come to see for treatment, etc. So, you know, moving forward, just carry on doing what I'm doing, going to the clinic, working hard, uh, training for my sport, which, which you know I love. Uh, so kind of a, in a good place at the moment. And, that's uh, probably another thing that ex- yeah, that's probably another thing that servicemen are, are, are usually kind of got a, a, almost like a second life is, uh, particularly in our uh, jobs that we do as physical training instructors, yeah. is that that desire to still be active, to still play sport, yeah. or still be competitive in some way. Um, yeah. I know we both cycle. You, in my view, you're a proper cyclist. I'm just a guy that's taking up late in life. But 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 how do you balance that? How do you balance that out now with with the kind of work side of things? And I know COVID's kind of you know created different yeah. timetables for everyone in the day. But yeah. but what, what does that do for you? And how do you kind of you know fit that into work as well? So, so with with my clinic, because uh, most clients would come late afternoon evenings because they're at work. So I, I normally start my, my clinic at one o'clock, so my first client will be at one o'clock, and I'll work through till eight, nine o'clock at night. And uh, But get into the clinic for 12 o'clock, set things up. But I get up early, I arrange my day, I train, eat, and then go to the clinic. So, you know, I've certainly got my training out of the way before I start my working day. So for me, that's a, it's a great balance. You know, I've exercised. Uh, Listen, Andy, I, th- I think that you know you've given us some real insights, to, and and I think some some great lessons there for people who are either considering leaving uh, or have left and have not quite found the path that they want to take. In terms of a, a, a takeaway uh, or a piece of advice for somebody who's con- you know is coming to the end of their 22 years and is is yeah. almost where you were at that at that time, what what would be the one thing that you you kind of promote or, or really make sure people have, have considered I would consider taking every opportunity that's presented to you and this is what I said to the students when I was at the college if a door opens for you and there's an opportunity walk through that door yes you may be nervous you may be unsure what's on the other side but don't be afraid to do it and that's what I always did whenever I got presented with an opportunity uh, whether it was in the Air Force or outside the Air Force working with civilian organizations, the FA, or when I worked in football, I always took a deep breath and thought, yes, let's have a look, let's go, and if it works, it works, if it doesn't, it doesn't, and it's always grasping the opportunity that's presented to you, and and being confident in doing so. Yeah, Andy, that's fantastic, and I hope, hopefully that will resonate with, uh, with a few people who've listened in today. One final thing, uh, just to put a little smile on my face, I think this morning. Yes. What was the what was the first model you ever made? My first model was a good question. Oh, I think it may well have been a Spitfire. Oh, I love it. But my my favourite. I know I didn't know that about you as the models, but isn't isn't that funny that the you know from such an early age that influence on you is what ultimately took you into that career and that career then shapes you and what you're doing now is a result of building models as a five-year-old yeah that's a connection that's a connection Andy listen thanks for your time hopefully your coffee hasn't gone cold now uh, we spent a bit of time chatting um, but 
appreciate that. Thanks very much, Andrew. It's been a, been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you.